So welcome friends. I'm here with Kai today who has just finished organizing Kai camp and I didn't get to go because it was on the other side of the planet and I wanted to hear all about it. <laughs> and so um, not having met Kai before, I thought this would be a good opportunity to get to know a new friend and hear about, yeah, what's it like organizing a meetup of Twitter people getting together for a few days. Um, maybe you can tell me where did you get the idea from that you could invite a bunch of people from Twitter to go and hang out in Bali for days on end? Oh, um, it's actually very simple. Uh, I think after Vibe Camp, um, I tweeted something along the lines of, that was great. Uh, I just kind of wish I didn't have to take a flight to the other side of the world to do that. Um, and then someone else was like, well, then you should run something in Southeast Asia. And I was like, oh, haha, yeah, Kai Camp. Huh. And then uh, as, as it as what tends to happen when you joke about something, it starts to take shape on its own. And so soon after I found myself committed to hosting this amorphous idea of Kai Camp, whatever that was. Um, at one point I tried to change the name because it felt a little bit too narcissistic. <laughs> uh, and then uh, that didn't happen because people overwhelmingly voted for the Kai Camp name. So uh, Kai Camp it was. Um, and then I, eventually gathered a bunch of people who would be able to keep my executive dysfunction in check and so kai camp happened awesome. <laughs> because <laughs> otherwise it's not for them it would not have i am not a naturally uh strong organizational individual so mm -hmm. the it, it's definitely something that takes a team of people who can uh execute and see an idea out and i sort of just kind of sat there and was like yeah uh yeah do that thing that seems good uh maybe try something else or like I set a very high level overall direction and then uh, people did the thing. And then I talked way more than I should have in all our meetings. And I still feel bad for consuming those many hours of their lives that they'll never have back again. But yes. That was the camp organizational experience. Yeah. It sounds like what I call the somebody should pattern. Like you're like, somebody should do this. And then suddenly you realize that you are the somebody. <laughs> yes. So um, you went to Vibe Camp in the States. Yes. Um, what was it about that experience that, that left you with that motivation at the end that then you were like, okay, somebody should do this? Like, what was that? Uh, I, what, what, yeah, what did you experience that you're like, this has got to be reproduced? Yeah, so, I mean, I just remember feeling at Vibe Camp like I had found a space with people that felt extremely warm and comfortable and friendly and just generally seem like excellent people um and it that is not necessarily a common experience like I feel like it's hard to gather so many people and for me to feel like oh yeah all these people are excellent I wish I had more time with every single one of them mm. uh but vibe can't manage that I think the only downside to me was that a lot of the people that I knew um locally within the area uh, would have been interested in it, but couldn't because it was an epic journey. Um, I believe I was the person who flew the longest distance to Vibe Camp. Um, I think the next closest contenders were like far off corners of Europe. Um, you know, I I was like, okay. Um, so 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 in in the interest of my own in my own selfish self interest, I'd like to not fly so far next time. So perhaps I can try to host something smaller and local um i think i was also kind of inspired by 
not just Vive Camp itself, but also Jazz Camp, because I, I heard about it. It was a much more small, intimate experience, um, less of the, I guess, the Burning Man, hundreds, thousands of people, um, the several hundred of Vibe Camp, um, and more like a smaller, um, cozier environment with just a small group of people really deeply getting to know each other and investigating your own um, feelings and inner worlds as a small group, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, I think, forget, I forget what is, what was it, Reb, Rebel Voices or something? Like, at Rebel. No Silver. Yeah, no yeah, Silver yeah. Yes, there you go. Yeah, I remember I reading the, uh, their thread about uh, Jess Camp and being like, oh my god, that sounds amazing and incredible and kind of life transforming. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously can't scale that individual event up uh, much bigger beyond like a certain number of people. The only solution is to have more of them. And so I was trying to think, okay, can we have more events like that? And so naturally, you know, someone should, and then, yeah. yeah. So that, that I think was the, the main impetus. So while I was inspired by Vive Camp, like the kind of warmth and of experience that I had at Vive Camp, um, really Kai Camp, I think was meant as an emulation of Jess Camp. Hmm. Yeah, my impression is that Jess Camp is much more achievable just because it's small. Like it's it's something that I can imagine doing as organizing Vibe Camp with multiple hundreds of people. It's like that feels like a really major undertaking. Yeah, I think Vibe Camp, um, they had a lot of organizational, uh, they, they had a lot, they had much better organization than uh, <laughs> Kai Camp did, certainly. I can't comment about Jess Camp. Um, but I would assume that a just camp was also a little bit chaotic uh, and uncoordinated uh, relative to the sheer number of moving pieces involved in getting yeah. 400 people into a uh, campsite in just out of a major metropolitan area. Um, so tell me, tell me some of the like logistical nuts and bolts, uh, like. I'm I'm always curious about the really practical stuff like uh how do you choose who's coming how do you find a venue what do you do with the kind of like financial risk of booking a venue but are people going to come or not like um yeah just the organizational stuff how did how did you approach all of those questions mm, yeah that's actually a really good question because a really good point because the in the early phases of the the whole Kai camp thing um we put out like a survey to be like, okay, so who's interested? And a whole bunch of people uh, suggested that they were interested, which was good. So we're like, okay, there's enough support. We can probably move forward with, uh, you know, some of these dates that people indicated they were free um, and, and then try to move forward from there. Uh, and then not as many people uh, were willing to put their money where their mouth was than as like responded in the survey. Um, so at least perhaps for the i think this is this is perhaps because of the specific way that i went about doing this because it was fairly localized to um southeast asia like the goal was to try and keep it a lot more local and small mm-hmm. um rather than to try and like gather a lot of people from all across because that might somewhat defeat the purpose of it so inherently because it was self-limiting in some degree uh, I think it also limited the 
people that could be drawn from. Um, so while we eventually managed to hit the capacity we were going for and slash needed because of the um, specifics of like when you're booking a like an Airbnb for 18 people, if you've got less than 18 people, you have three beds. You can't really have more than 18 people because then you have people sleeping on the street. Um, so you really need to like know exactly who is coming before you can book or like make sure you hit that exactly and then mm -hmm. stop. Uh, which we managed to do eventually, um, basically by the organizers inviting every single pe person that they knew that they thought was cool and seeing if they were free that weekend. Um, so in retrospect, uh, that could have probably been figured out better. <laughs> but like it worked, but not because of any particular like magic of planning. Uh, it worked because we got very lucky. Uh, and it um, sounds, there does sound something reproducible there, which is like doing a survey first, getting some dates, getting testing if there's enthusiasm and then and then not trusting that survey too much, but at least knowing there's some, you know, <laughs> there's, there's some information to go off. Zero interest, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, besides that, I mean, other logistics just sort of was. I think like something that I was doing because I was personally reaching out to a lot of people. Uh, people have very like nuanced availabilities beyond just like yes, I am free or no, I am not free. Other people are like I am free conditional on my passport being approved or uh i might be doing a visa run during these dates so like this is like the only time i can travel or um i don't know could we do it on this very specific weekend otherwise there is no chance that i will be okay. free like there's there's all sorts of strange things that happen when instead of having like for vibe camp just you can buy a ticket for this date yes or no and then you just see a bunch of people who buy the ticket um it becomes a lot more complicated that way yeah. uh, when, you, when you handle it, um, which in the context, I think, of a smaller event, I think is somewhat natural, I suppose. Um, but it's just a little bit of like an uh, unanticipated logistical thing that in retrospect was very obvious and really could have been considered properly, but, uh, you know, it again, it, like it, it worked out fine for us. Like it, everything sort of magically the stars aligned. Um, but in retrospect, probably a better. There's probably a better way of handling the specifics of availability and all the the things mm -hmm. that went into that. Mm -hmm. um, especially when how that that came in with how we were like trying to get payment from people, um, because the way we were trying to deal with the financial risk of everything was that we had collected deposit, like partial deposit up front as we figure out the financials in more detail. We figure out how many people are coming and thus how large of a space we can uh, get. And then how much, as a result, that means we have this weird thing where we collect deposits from people who are like not entirely sure if they can come, but they just want to secure a spot first. And then later on, then they're like, oh yeah, sorry, I can't actually make it. And then you have to revise your financial mm. estimates again and then, um, it just made things really complicated because we had this like multi-step system. So if there was, I, just simplify it for yourself. Just figure out how roughly how much you're going to charge and charge up front and then figure it out later. That seems to be an easy approach, but I am very bad at making decisions. I always like postponing a decision as long as I can. 
Um, which is why it was it was done this way. So I didn't have to make a decision on how much to charge people until until like right before the event, basically. Uh, so don't be like me. If you have an option, try to make sure that the event's being organized with someone who is willing to make decisions. Um, <laughs> I mean, in my perspective as an organizer, there's always trade-offs in the different approach that you take. And like, yeah, a lot of the events that I run now, I will, I'll put it, well, I'll sort of have some test of enthusiasm. Do I think people are going to want to sign up for this? And then I'll, I'll choose a place. I'll choose the time. I'll set the ticket price. But that does bring a risk with it because it's either, either I'm going to like, like I try to make it affordable. And so I set a low ticket price and it really has to fill up or else it's going to cost me money. Or I'm like, no, 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 I can't afford to lose any money. So I set the price high and then that alienates people. And it's like, it's complicated if you do it that way. And then it's complicated if you do it your way where you try and negotiate with everyone and like be adjusting and manage it on the fly. So this is part of the reason I want to talk to lots of organizers is just see who's found the best patterns for it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one thing that I think I was trying to do is also some people wanted to attend for like part of the event because they could only make it for some amount of time mm-hmm. and not the whole thing. Um, and in my mind, I was thinking, well, you're not using the space for the whole time. We don't have to feed you the whole time. So presumably we should be charging you less. And my the, the way that like our team is currently approaching it is, okay, um, when we settle the accounting for everything, we should, if we've got money left over, we'll give you a partial refund, which was the way we're thinking of doing this. Uh, we still haven't given out the refunds. We're still doing all the math. Like it turns out accounting is really hard and annoying. So, uh, you know, it makes, it makes things like fairer and more equitable, but it's also like really inconvenient, <laughs> which is, which is good. I like the buck is to stop somewhere and you have to like try and accept as many people who might be like uh, have differing schedules or anything, but it does make things more complicated uh, when you decide to be less, when you decide to be incredibly flexible. It means yeah. a lot more work for yourself. Yeah. Um, which again is something that I, I made harder for myself by not just deciding upfront, okay, this is the way we're doing it. Uh, instead, we're like, later, let's settle it on a case-by-case basis, you know? Um, yeah, I'm sure that you'll get more decisive if you do this in future again, right? Like that you're, yes. you you learn what works. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me about your team? Like what kind of, um, also, I mean, if you want to name them and celebrate them, that's good too. But I'm wondering kind of like what, um, what skills people are bringing, like what, because I was thinking about accounting. It's like, I, I love accounting. Give me a spreadsheet and I'm happy, you know? So I'm wondering <laughs> what kind of um, sort of personality types, or like, what, were, what were the other team members bringing in? Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, I will, I will single out one person who was basically the eyes and ears and hands and legs and really everything, uh, probably without uh, her in specific, nothing would have happened and that would be helena who is i believe herona on 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 twitter h-e-r-r-o-w-n-a um she was the like operational everything she because she uh for because for us we were trying to have all the event in bali she lives there so naturally she became the sort of de facto go person who would be uh, settling a lot of the stuff so like actually booking with the people um trying to like 
talk to them and make sure that they have everything that we need and looking for. Um, so for me, that was extremely valuable, having someone who actually has that kind of, is already in the place that you're trying to go to and knows uh, kind of the situation, what's going on. They can make a better estimate for like um, how much groceries will cost, how much food will cost, um, how much a place will cost, and so how much you can afford to charge and all these kinds of things. Um, as compared to me, when I'm on the outside kind of winging it, like how extensive could Bali be really? I don't know, let's Google a cost of living calculator for Bali. Like that's the best approximation I can get. Yeah. Um, the other members of my team were sort of more like ideas driven, a lot more like sort of research help people, which is still extremely valuable. So I don't have to sit there for like five hours and scroll through Airbnbs on, in Bali to try and find some that, that work. So um, a lot of them are sort of, they, they serve that function. Uh, which doesn't necessarily have to be done like on the ground uh, because I tried to delegate some things that they could do uh, so that I wouldn't make Helena literally do all of Kai Camp. She still did like 80% of Kai Camp in my personal opinion. Um, and I feel bad, but she seemed very enthusiastic about it. So I'm not going to say no to someone who wants to do my dirty work for me. So I think all in all, it was a, a really good balance i think there was enough um like perspectives uh mm -hmm. to kind of make everything like make sense like yeah you know people can cross check my decisions and suggestions and then uh when we move forward then we have someone who will execute and make sure everything is done right um so you know shout out to the remaining members of my team uh junkie uh i i can never remember his twitter handle because it's like six letters um I think it's like Z-R-K-R-L-C, uh, as well as Michelle, um, my dear girlfriend. Um, and a ball is rolling, I believe, is her Twitter handle. Um, we, had, we had some like, we, 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 this, this weird thing where kind of people like hopped in and hopped out from the team at one point, hmm. um, but you know, they, they, they contributed. So a uh, quick little shout out to Amir, Amirism as well, uh, who was on the team for like a, a little while before he disappeared, I think, doing like a social media detox. We're like, okay, well, you got to keep going without the guy, but we see you. <laughs> yeah. The, um, maybe we can tag these people so that we can give them our big ups on Twitter as well. Um, yes. Yeah. I'm curious then. So you've got the place, uh, you've got the money sorted, you've got the like people time all of that kind of basic fundamental stuff and then you're at this gathering then what happens like how i'm always curious to know like as an organizer as a convener you know um your team is like inviting people in and, and kind of setting a context how much um how much control do you have or how much vision do you have or how much is it op completely open and chaotic or emergent or spontaneous or like yeah. What did you, what were you, what was your role during the event? Yeah. So the way we conducted it, or rather the way that I conducted it, because I, again, I have a very, um, I'm very decision averse. So ultimately the way that it arose was very emergent, uh, like emergent out of chaos because uh, I didn't really want to confine anything to hmm. have a semblance of structure mostly because I was unwilling to make a decision of what that would look like because I didn't want to impose my vision of what it would look like on other people. 
Um, and the subsequent Kai Camp feedback was more, there could have been a little bit more structure, um, which is fair. I think one of the things that was strongly suggested was sort of the idea of the unconference, where if you're not familiar, there's sort of just blocks of time that have no specific activities scheduled for them, but that attendees can sort of slot themselves into. So there's just sort of this overall structure of there are meals that will be happening at approximately these times, and everything else kind of fits around those. So you will be fed while you do things. And the things could be as, um, you know, as, I guess, deep as like, a, I think Helena hosts a metaphoring workshop about um, finding metaphors for your emotions to try and explain them mm-hmm. in a like a like a cross-cultural manner because oftentimes the way we use um, emotional words is very specific to one culture or the other um, and there could be other things like I think we had a, a DJ dance session uh, one evening you know again none of this was actually the way it panned out on conference wise we sort of just things just happened but I think uh, very often it felt like some things were being missed out on because mm. uh, people would want to have a certain activity but then they didn't because of a lack of structure, they couldn't slot it in anywhere. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it made it harder to actually like feel like you got everything out of what you were trying to do, uh, which perhaps in some perverse way may have added to the appeal because if you know you can't do everything, it makes you want to come back for more in the future. So I, I don't know um, if that's necessarily a good thing to aspire towards, but I, I feel like that, that might make people more likely to come to Kai Camp 2, Electric Boogaloo. Um, But yeah, I I personally think the unconference format for kind of structuring activities, like in retrospect, I think that makes a lot of sense for this kind of event. Um, And if we didn't, if I didn't just leave it completely open-ended, if I could redo it, that's how I would have approached it. Just Hmm. left some very bare bones skeleton of a structure for people to slot themselves into. And I believe that's what uh, Jess Camp did. Um, I was just trying to think, okay, maybe a fully emergent structure would have worked okay. Yeah, I've experimented. Here's people would like some semblance more structure. Um, as a side note, I think one of the things that also contributed to that is because uh, meals take forever to cook. And so because one of the things we're trying to do is try to get everybody involved in the kind of community food making process because it feels warm and nice to feed your friends right but when you're cooking for 20 people it takes like three hours to prepare um and so if there was any activity happening that that day and you're cooking lunch let's say right if there's anything happening in the morning uh sorry i guess you're stuck in the kitchen um which is a kind of unfortunate thing so uh in retrospect one of the things is that uh in bali food is cheap you know, this may not necessarily generalize to other places, but in Bali specifically, food is cheap. You do not necessarily have to cook for people. It is a very nice, warm event, like thing to mm-hmm. do, uh, but it makes it hard for people to actually engage in the camp. So perhaps setting it aside as like a dedicated activity might be something worth considering instead of making it a everybody cook something if everybody cooks something it's guaranteed everybody misses one activity of some form um 
like I think I personally missed a uh, impromptu Alexander Technique workshop that was being held by Michael Ashcroft uh, because I was doing groceries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm still very, very bitter. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's another one of these trade-offs, I think, that you do have that yeah. really pleasant experience of cooking together. Um, but then it takes time away from doing other stuff. And it's like a lot of people would prefer to be doing the other stuff rather than the cooking. So again, it's like yeah. you kind of choose which which experience you're trying to create, right? Um yes. on this thing with the unconference, I'm a I'm a really big fan of that too. I'm always looking for like basically what's the minimum. What's the what's the what's the minimum structure that enables the maximum freedom and the maximum, I don't know, creativity and ease and play and and all that stuff. And it's more than zero, you know. I mean, like yeah. for starters, you have to choose a place and a time. Um, that's already a big piece of structure that's that's in place. But then, yeah, just having this grid and saying, okay, on day one we're going to fill this grid, or like we're going to fill half the grid on day one, and then we're going to come back on day three and fill the rest or, you know, some kind of opportunity for people to get up and pitch things and, you know, negotiate times and move post-it notes around. I think that helps a, a huge amount. I also, in most of my events would have like some kind of opening ceremony, you know, like some kind of like, Hey, we're all yes. here. Let's, let's acknowledge this moment and some kind of closing where everyone gets heard. Um, well, if it's a, if it's a small enough group, everyone gets heard. And then we also always, if there's more than like 10 or 12 people, we would always have, we've got different names for them, like crews, pods, home groups, like some kind of small group experience so that most of your time during the day is like divergent and chaotic and you might be doing a million different things. But there's this like one point you return to every day with the same like four people, the same five people, a moment to just sort of like check in, debrief, like what's going on. And you you meet them every day. And so that that makes sure that everyone is, um everyone is developing trust and like closeness with a few people even if they're a bit overwhelmed by the by the large group so it sort of like creates these stable little containers that you've returned to again and again and i'm just yeah in my research talking to people like you it's like how much it sounds like if you were going to do it again you would add a little bit more structure you know you just turn that dial up a little bit but you don't want to go too far and then like oh i'm going to plan everything and there's going to be 17 workshops and like that's 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 too far. So it's a balancing act. Could you say more about um yeah, what what would you do in Kai Camp 2? Like what basically digesting the lessons and the experience so far, like what would you do differently? Or like what would you recommend to someone if they were going to do something like this? Yeah. Um I think so I think I'll quickly on the note about opening and closing ceremonies. Uh yeah, we we did do some semblance of a we got more of the opening ceremony than the closing ceremony, but we got some samples of both. I think I really like the small groups idea, although I'm trying to think now, like, you know, we had um, only 20 people. So that's like, what, four groups of, we had 18 people, strictly speaking. So like, what, four groups of five, four groups of four to five, Yeah, which I guess works. I don't know. It felt like, for very much for a lot of Kai Camp, we sort of just all gathered in one really massive blob of everybody. Um, like there, there were some moments where people would kind of split off into smaller groups, uh, but those are much less common. Um, generally, it'd be like one large group, and then it'd be like like a splinter cell that goes off somewhere else. Um, so I feel like maybe for at least the way Kai Camp unfolded, like the small pods idea wasn't necessarily 
as helpful because everybody was kind of all together anyway. Perhaps because of the the lack of like structure, there was fewer activities that people could actually slot and like dedicate time to making happen. So what happened instead is that everybody just kind of showed up in the same place and then they all did the same thing. Um, so perhaps that was a bit more emergent based on the way that we did it. Uh, I'm curious to see whether to know whether or not like uh, other structures where they have a little bit more structures, whether there there do, do tend to be more activities that um, you know separate and break apart into lots of many different little groups. Um, but for KaiCam too, I think the main thing that I would change is simply just the unconference thing. I just try and make sure that I actually properly had a a system of ensuring that we have activities and we can slot them into these approximate time blocks, um, just to make sure that everybody who wants for a thing to happen, the thing can happen, and mm -hmm. we ensure that we have time catered for it and we could set aside time for that um and within the context of Taipan, so i think assuming we're going to another place where food would be relatively cheap i think we would try and make sure that food would be um there would be like one or two communal meals perhaps and everything else we would try and minimize the amount of time uh spent on it so that you have more time interacting with people um and not just preparing food Food preparation is great, and you still interact with people in the kitchen, but it's, 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 it's different. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to do the, you want to do the stuff. You don't want to yeah. kind of sit there. And, yeah. But that's specifically for Kaigan too. Um, is there anything else? I guess logistically, perhaps. Um, now with a greater sense of like how finances and accounting stuff goes for having hosted an event. Uh, probably uh, charging it all up front and then dealing with some flexibility post-hoc rather mm. than leaving so many things up in the air initially. I think that's probably a better approach. Yeah. The thing that I noticed hearing, hearing your description, it's like, and I mean this in the best possible way, you're not a <laughs> professional, you know, like you're just no. figuring this out <laughs> as you go. And, yes. and I want to, I, because I, what I'm concerned about is like, you went to Vibe Camp, you had a good time. Then you're like, somebody should do another one. And then you realize it's you that has to do it. Um, I really want people to understand that you don't need to be a professional. You don't need to have all of this experience. You don't need to be like a very sophisticated organizer to pull something like this off. And it's super gratifying to do it. And you can just figure it out. And people are going to be very supportive and accommodating and like forgiving yeah. if you do something a bit gammy and like, it doesn't matter. And if you're going to do it again, you'll do a much better job and then a better one and a better one. And like, yeah, you don't have to like be exactly. a genius and, and have everything perfect before you start. <laughs> yeah, which I think is actually one of the things that was the most like surprising to me. Um, but I remember midway through one of our like discussions or anything about like how much do we charge for the event? Um, one of the things we we jokingly said was like, you know, if we run out of money, we'll just gather everybody and say like, look guys, we ran out of money. Um, so yeah, so who's on you guys? Uh, and then like, the, the, the expect that we, I thought about it and I was like, yeah, you know, the, the response that I anticipate was a bit more of a, haha, that's hilarious. I guess the improvised event is a little bit silly. And then people would kind of move on with their lives and they would be like in an uproar, like, I want my money back. That is unacceptable. You know, we're given the kind of community that we're hosting, kind of event that we're putting, throwing together, uh, that they, there is a, like a tacit acceptance from, the people attending that 
it isn't your, the event's not being run by professional organizers it's by a bunch of uh, weirdos like them and so they won't quite know what they're doing and that's fine and everybody's kind of probably going to accept that <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i'm yeah. just curious as well about I... oh yeah no go on oh yeah i was gonna say because i think i i hosted like like a like a ball while i was part of the the military um or rather i was tasked to organize a ball and i was given a team and told you have a bunch of money organize it and there was a surprising amount of like heavy-handed bodging going on behind the scenes that sort of was just tacitly accepted anyway and was fine okay. like i think some of our guests were nearly stopped at like the the like the the guard house to the military camp because someone else screwed up and like didn't add their names to the the allowed to enter list like they're not supposed to be here at this time why are they coming in um and that was only discovered like on the fly and these are like like big mean sounding military people and i like went up to them when they finally went out and like i'm so so sorry that all this happened to you and they were like oh no worry it's fine anyway where's the party and i was like oh, all right i guess i'm off the hook <laughs> i'm not dead <laughs> yeah so i guess this is a lot more acceptance than i think i was expecting to than i was anticipating despite the fact that i have already some past uh knowledge that people tend to be a little bit more accepting than you would anticipate so i guess there's always a lot of goodwill that goes on on both sides for attendee to organizer mm. yeah i get that um i just got curious about your experience um during the event did you how much of the time did you get to feel like a participant versus an organizer host like were you on duty the whole time or did you get to like hang out I feel like because of the way I was or like the way the event was structured was relatively hands off yeah. beyond a couple of things like at the start and at the end uh it was relatively um I I was relatively participant mode for for most of it um like when when you're sorting out like let's say on the first day when people are kind of settling in and trying to find their room then you know organizer mode comes on okay i need to make sure you have your rooms everybody settled for um we didn't decide on like who was sleeping where in of the various rooms ahead of time because decisions uh that i'm not making so then when all that's happening on the ground you have to kind of uh, you're in a flurry of action and making sure people okay you go there you go there some people are coming in late uh we have a room set aside for them we have space but yada yada then once all that's settled, then you're like, okay, we need to settle who's making what meal and then all that's done. Then once all that's done, the very next day, you're just like, all right, I have an event that I'm running. That's so cool. <laughs> and then um, there's all these friends that I have here. Oh my God, I want to interact. Yeah, so that, that was kind of my own experience. But I think some of my, my organizing team people are a little bit more uh, antsy about not having things to do. And so they were a little bit more... Um, urgent about going out and ensuring that activities were happening and um you know people were yeah mostly that i think whether activities were happening or not so i think a lot of us in my mind i'm perfectly happy to just kind of sit somewhere and talk to a bunch of people and that in my mind is like this is why i'm here um but i think there's also other people who are a little bit more 
organizational in their mm-hmm. uh, perspective. And so their goal is I need to make sure that something is happening. Otherwise, uh, I can't just sit still and do nothing. And so then they kind of go about, and I think they will be a little bit more on edge for most of it and a little bit more organizer mode because there's um, less of a formal structure for them to play in. So I'm anticipating that if there was a little bit more of a formal structure, perhaps then I would be a little bit more switched switched on and they would be a little toned down. Yeah. But I think all in all, it's an acceptable trade-off. I think that's the workout. But yeah, for me, definitely, at least the way the I can played out, very laid back for the vast majority of it. This is maybe a um, influence of Bali as well. I, I find Bali to be an extremely laid back place. And this is coming from New yes. Zealand, which is pretty laid back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so then I'm wondering about, um, you actually said something, a few questions back um, about, how did you say it? There was, you said something along the lines of like, if this, um, if, this, if this event was too large, it would defeat the purpose. And that just made ah. me wonder, what is the purpose? Like, wh- why? What's the point of doing this? Like, it sounds like it's a bunch of work. It's a bunch of money. It's a bit complicated. Um, it's not like you're doing it to get rich. Why? What's the point? Yeah. Um, so, okay. I'm not sure whether I said, I forget exactly what I said. I say a lot of things. But I think part of the way I sort of had envisioned it in the limited conception I have of a vision for Titan. Uh, because um, I see it relatively as a fairly self-emergent organic thing um, that I don't really want to impose too much on. But I think when an event gets beyond a certain scale, um, it becomes more, there's a lot more like, it feels like it's harder for something to kind of spontaneously emerge organically from a larger uh, event. I feel like, say, uh, at least without a significant amount of like, pre-planning or consideration beforehand. Um, when you think about, say, the vibe camp, um, one does not spontaneously create uh, several hundred person events and activities, right? Um, I don't think the tea house, for example, would have spontaneously arose uh, had people not decided coming into it, okay, we are going to have a cozy little corner where we have mood lighting and uh, the nap bed and just a very quiet atmosphere and tea. You know, I don't think that would have happened unless there'd be a lot of people who were like, yes, I have a vision for that, I'm gonna do it. Whereas for a much smaller event, I think there's like less room for that. And so things kind of just kind of happen on the ground very organically. Um, and so my concern with having an event that grows too large, besides just like the fact that we couldn't find villas above a certain size, um, is the, 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 at least the idea in my mind that if you got beyond, I don't know, pull a number out of the air 50, let's say, it starts getting harder to kind of coordinate people in such a way where stuff just kind of happens spontaneously. You kind of just have a large number of like aimless drifters trying to find something to do, um, which I didn't really want to happen. Hmm. Uh, it also did not prove to be a problem that I would worry about because we didn't have enough people that we would have to worry about 50 um but perhaps if there were more interest in the future i would have to think about okay how do you try and still kind of have that same 
small, cozy, comfortable, intimate atmosphere with more people. Because I, like, for example, you can't gather 50 people into one room uh, and just kind of continuously have like 50 per 50 person discussion. Uh, that would probably not be great for the majority of people who would just sit there not uh, being able to say anything because there's too many people trying to talk. Um, so you'd have to kind of subdivide, which kind of makes there be less of a single group cohesion experience. Um, so I, that's, I guess, the main idea as to why I was think, think conceiving of it as a very small um, event. But at the same time, perhaps it would have, it would have worked at a decently large scale. Perhaps I'm just not uh, aware of it. I also didn't really want to plan an event that was too large. Uh, because the larger it gets, the more organizational complexity and logistical complexity involved, and thus the more stuff that has to be done, the more complicated it is, uh, the more work for me and the more difficulty my inexperienced organizational ability has to try and accomplish a bunch of things. Um, and perhaps it was all like, there's some path dependency to it too, because perhaps Jess Camp in, was initially a larger event, because it was... Kaigan was very much like a, an attempt to carbon copy the Jess Camp formula, uh, but in Southeast Asia. And so perhaps if they had a decently large event, maybe we would have been like, yeah, let's also have a decently large event. Um, but that's not the way history played out. So yeah. I'm acutely aware that like my perspective is very, very much based on uh, 20 people worked, presumably smaller would work as well not sure about bigger. Uh, my two data points are uh, like Kai Camp 20, Vibe Camp 400. Uh, there's a lot of gray area in the middle where I don't know how exactly that would lie. Um, so my assumption is that the bigger it gets, the less kind of close intimate feeling you might get. Um, but I have no evidence to back that up, kind of just a hunch. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I my experience with these things is that the groups of different sides have a different feeling and that like, like for me, organizing 15 people is effortless. There's like zero stressful moments. 35 people is like, starts to, you start to feel complicated. Yeah, everyone's got specific concerns and you've got to kind of navigate some tensions. 60 people is like, okay, this is a professional operation. And then anything bigger is like, okay, now I need a team and we're really, you know, more structure is required and more, more forethought. And, and, and like this thing about intimacy, um, I think probably the biggest event that I've been involved in where it felt intimate was like a hundred people. Um, oh, well, actually that's not entirely true. I, I went to a music festival in New Zealand, which would have been maybe 400 people. Uh, and that felt really intimate, but that was a critical mass of people who knew each other for a long, 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 long time. And so that, that's also a factor, right? Like how well do people know each other? Or is this like random people? Well, not random, but like friends of friends of friends on Twitter. So they're not completely random, but you don't, you don't know. A lot of them you don't know very well. Um, so there's lots of factors that go into that. That makes me wonder though about, um, yeah, who's invited? Like, I think you, you did a pub, it was basically public, right? Yeah. So it was intended to be relatively public. Um, the end result of people who came was uh, mostly people who I knew and mm. people who the, I, I think there was, there's only like one or two complete strangers. Okay. No, there's one guy who didn't know anybody else who was attending, who was attending simply because, uh, 
it, it was quote unquote the next vibe camp, <laughs> <laughs> which it most definitely was not. Um, but like there, there was only one person that didn't know anybody else. Uh, besides that, uh, everybody else knew at least somebody. Um, some people brought partners. Some people brought uh, friends or like recommended friends. Um, but in general, people I think had at least one other connection point to the the general group. Um, it didn't necessarily have to pan out this way. I think that's mostly just because of the way um, we were trying to fill up attendee slots so we could get the villa we were trying to get. Um, so as a result, we all tended to bring people that we knew. But also, I think a deliberate goal um, going into it was to try and ensure that people would feel comfortable. Mm. Um, and so you don't necessarily want to take a risk on too many complete strangers that no one knows whether or not they are, um, whether they will be chill in, in, in a word, which is also, there's also no, not necessarily a way of knowing uh, because most of these people you haven't actually met in person before. You're just kind of going off of their online presence that they seem like fun, enjoyable people to be around. So in theory, there's no real way of knowing either way. You're just kind of biasing it towards like, you know, if I have at least a, some amount of knowledge that you're probably okay with the way we're probably going to be very um, open and emotional and um, weird in, in a word. Um, so there wasn't that much deliberate selection. Um, it, but but that's sort of just because of the way the attendees thing worked out. It wasn't necessary to do so. I think if there was, say, 30 people who were interested and of those, we had only the same number of like, spots, um, then probably there would have been a lot more like measured consideration of like, you know, how much do we think you would fit the vibe and you would you be okay? Do you like know people or something like that? Uh, I'm glad that did not come up because I would not know how to make that decision or that that judgment call. Um, I think if that happened, I'd probably just give up and have to figure out a way to make the event bigger um, at the the subsequent cost of organizational difficulty. Hmm. It's, a, it, it, it's, it's, it's such a common challenge. And again, it's kind of like the money thing. It's like, I don't actually know what the good answer is like i just talked to sylvia because they had a camp in lisbon last week week before and their plan was to make it public but first they checked in with some friends and by the time they'd gone around and checked with the friends it's like all the spaces were filled up there's like 30 people that were already saying yes and so they're like well there's no public slots left and and actually they were going to call it Jess camp or something they were going to use that Sylvia name or something camp, like it yeah. Sylvia camp or something like it and they decided not to because Jess camp has this public dimension and they felt like it's really important to like if it's not public then it's not Jess camp that was kind of the thing and so they they call it Catalisbon uh, you know like they chose a completely different name format because like, this is only private and I don't want to steal the name if it's not public but it's complicated you know like vibe camp I'm sure it's got such a big reputation they could easily have a thousand people at the next one or probably 2000 people wouldn't be hard either. And it's like, do you actually want to do that? Or like, and if you're going to say no, what do you do with all of that momentum and all those people? Like, do you just say no and then see you later? Or is there, is there somewhere else that you can send them? Like, I think my, um, 
part of my strategy for talking to people like you is like my vote is I would just love it if there were people all over the world that felt they had the permission and the skills necessary and the support from people necessary that they can just run their own one and we don't need like a hundred thousand people to go to vibe camp we can just have our own camps everywhere all the time you know like there's multiple camps happening around the world simultaneously that's what I want to see um but I don't know if that's the best answer you know that's just my bias yeah I mean I think that also just kind of makes like it makes a lot of practical sense in a way if there's always kind of activity going on everywhere um I think I remember I I forget if I had a, this discussion with Brooke or if it was just sort of like a like a vision that Vibe Camp attendees had. Um, but there is sort of this idea that like Vibe Camp would be kind of this big central gathering of a lot of the the T-pop people as like a like a main central hub type event kind of thing, where it'd be like this kind of big massive event. But there would also be lots of smaller satellites inspired in the same kind of what's the word like ethos the same general like guiding principles of friendly open communication with other humans um all around so that you wouldn't necessarily be excluded from uh the the main the, the big thing it's something to tap into some of this like this kind of energy that makes this part of twitter so valuable so enjoyable to be in which is the like as we transition away from kind of like the online, um, we're all stuck on our phone staring at Twitter thing into something a little bit more physical, then you can kind of tap into that no matter where you are in the world, whether that, I mean, specifically this is Southeast Asia, right? This is like the, the like slightly further away from like Europe and North America where some like the more, probably more of teapot would be, but you can still kind of tap into some of that, like closer to here so like the people in australia aren't just abandoned in the middle of nowhere um you know the singapore malaysia china like india this kind of kind of general asia-ish region right um so i forgot what the question was like i was going yeah. somewhere really. there was no question <laughs> we're just yawning um i do have a question though i do have a question i want to get to um Like you've 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 kind of hinted a few times at something, and I just want to hear you like expel it out a bit more. So you said something about it being like intimate, cozy, open, friendly. Um, something about emotions, something about it being weird. Um, it's like you're describing something that's hard to put your finger on, and and I'm what I'm trying to get at is like, what is the purpose of organizing people to come together? Like, what's the point? Why would you? Why would you do that? What are you trying to achieve? I'm not really sure. I I get the vague sense, like um, like part of it sort of just feels like it's a like a community building element, but I'm not hundred percent sure what community it is that I am building or reinforcing. Um, <laughs> like I like I get the vague sense, like it's it's this part of Twitter, sure. Um, but evidently, like I'm catering to a very small, like geographic locale within that. And part of the, the nice thing about, um, I guess, the way we tend to do things is that there doesn't, the internet, which is the way that we all kind of found each other, is inherently not geographically limited. So 
the idea that like kind of one of those like tenants kind of being severed in a way by the in-person thing being relatively uh, limited geographically um, seems a little contrary to the kind of overall uh, idea. So I, I don't know if there's really a specific goal that I have in mind. Um, I think the vague sense I get is just kind of the idea of trying to invest in the relationships that we have um, and try to, I don't know, make them deeper and richer. So just trying to, I guess, part, I feel there's a lot of different ideas kind of that like, like all sorts of little things I feel like are contributing, contributing to this, um, to why, why Kai camp, why desk camp, why all these, the many different camps that have sprung up. I feel like much of it has to do with just trying to, to deepen our bonds with other people and just try and see if you can change people's lives for the better to um, get them all or allow everybody to realize in their own way that there is probably a, a better, happier, cozier way of living your life um, than the, the way that we've assumed for uh, much of it. Because mm -hmm. I remember when I left uh, Vibe Camp, I remember thinking to myself, like, you know, there are people out there who get me. I do not feel like such a weird, strange outcast all the time. Uh, I, my life will never be the same knowing this information. And, and I think part of why I wanted to put something together was also to tell other people in other places, like, hey, uh, this is true for you as well. Uh, you're not weird. Uh, or if you are weird, there are people who up there who accept you and think that is cool and not um, perpetually like giving you strange faces on the train uh, every day. That I think deep down is like my, my inner child is just like just appreciates having being pat on the head by strangers uh, who I know. And I want to ensure that other people's little children inside also get pat on the head and told that they're a good child. Yeah. That's such a good again, description. I think there's, there's all sorts of little things that kind of justify this in my mind beyond like another one that just kind of like an undeniable reason as to why this like when we ignore all the like the deep psychoanalysis and the community building, a lot of it is just kind of, I feel like it's cool to hang out with people. <laughs> so uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons. Some which sound very good. A lot of uh, which uh, less so. <laughs> I like the bat the pats on the head. That's why I do it too. <laughs> um, and and you're describing this thing about like, well, my word for it is like misfits. You know, like people who feel like they don't necessarily fit in normally, and the sense of recognition that like actually it's not because there's something wrong with me you know it's not I'm not broken I'm not worthless I just have some for some reason my factory settings are different from most of the people in my neighborhood and then like to find the others that also have some of those same factory settings those same like yeah I see it as people who are very earnest very compassionate very curious very like I don't know. It's it's really hard to like pin down exactly what are these shared values, but once you get a critical mass of them together, suddenly that becomes normal, and it's like, ah, 
I don't have to, it's not just me against everyone else. It's like we're all together and we can just swim in this different culture. And like you say, like once you've experienced that, you can't, un, you can't switch that off anymore. Something has changed in your life permanently. And that, that to me is so, I just get so much enthusiasm from watching people go through that process of like coming, kind of coming online and, and then, and then they're left with now what, you know, now what? I mean, I think particularly recently, I think a lot of the stuff I've tried to do within the, um, like this, I guess, I don't know what to call it, like social circle, this general area, I guess is trying to find ways of like reinforcing that general idea. Like there are people here who uh, understand you or like you. I think particularly in Singapore, because mm -hmm. I think the, the way that much of our, our nation's culture is, is it's very conformist and traditional, like overwhelmingly so. And I think there's, there's, a, there's a fair number of people uh, here who, are, who do not fit the very conventional, traditional mold that like Singapore tries to enforce on everybody. Um, and I mean, we do it in a very, very impressive way. I mean, the, 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 the brainworms run deep. Like they're multi-generational. It is very hard to break out of. And I, I kind of want to see that happen. I want to see more people kind of come into their own. And I, I, can, I can still sense like within myself, there's still like a lot of, I'm still like fighting a lot of these very traditional conceptions of um, say what success looks like or what like an ideal life should look like. And I, you know, in my own little way, I suppose, with, the, with, with what little power I have, I'm trying to help myself and others along this same kind of journey of um, introspection and uh, self-growth and change. And I think it kind of starts, it starts, and it, or rather it helps knowing that there are other people who are kind of going through it too. You're not, you're not as alone as you, you might feel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's inspiring, dude. That's like, yeah, kind of deprogramming and going, what do I actually want? Like, what are, what are my actual values? What is meaningful to me? And, and like you say, like not doing that on your own as some kind of like narcissistic project, but doing it with other people, like what do we care about? And, and yeah, like I, I'm just thinking about the contrast between that and say a traditional conformist culture how i just imagine in what way is this part of twitter and this like growing network of communities taking the place of nation states you know and it's like i don't want to throw that around too lightly because it's not like we've got an army or a financial system or you know <laughs> <laughs> but but national identity is a thing like it does shape your experience of the world and if we can anchor people in something that's more liberating and more i don't know more wholesome somehow rather than like my country's better than your country or yeah i don't know it's 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 so um it's such a sort a short space between it's fun to hang out with people and we're on this whole like next generation nation building project <laughs> yeah i mean i remember uh i remember i know there's a couple like a uh, project being joked about uh, which probably means they'll they'll come to fruition in five ten years um of like buying out like 
like purchasing land and constructing villages or towns dedicated entirely to this um, to this community, which seems, in my mind, like a bit overzealous. But at the same time, I'm such a big fan of that idea. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, because as as much as I like, I, I don't really know, or I don't see, like, I don't have a vision of what the end game looks like, if there even is an end game, uh, beyond just kind of the small little steps I'm taking. Like, I'm not thinking like, oh, you know, all nation states will collapse and the the unit, like the unitary teapot empire, will rise um, from the the burning burning wreckage of the global financial system. Like, I, I don't know, I don't quite know if that's going to happen. Um, seems a seems a bit much, but definitely i think just kind of the idea of giving people like a or trying to find collectively together if there's a better way of approaching um our interactions with the world mm -hmm. if there's a like a like a more sustainable not sustainable that, that word is that was charged with a lot of meaning nowadays but like a like a more wholesome way of living in the the modern era where technology can be used as a form of connection properly, the way it was kind of envisioned um, in the earlier days of the internet, um, where that doesn't necessarily have to be separate from the physical connection you enjoy with people, but as a complement to it. Um, I, I don't know. I don't really have like big grandiose visions of why I am doing what I am doing. Uh, honestly, I, I, I made a, like, like to be completely honest, part of this is because like I made a joke a few months back and then now I have to like do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then now like I've, I've accidentally like stepped into a role that I did not anticipate like um, stepping into. Yeah. Uh, and like, while I'm also like fully aware of the fact that like it's entirely voluntary, and if I don't wish to assume it, I can always step out, which is very, very nice. Yeah. Um, it's something that like every like I will think about like what am I, what have I gotten myself into? You know, I have I have this. It's like you when you realize like all the kind of power that you have to be unexpectedly, um, it's kind of terrifying to, to consider um you know kai in a way it, the fact that you don't have this like epic vision makes you more trustworthy <laughs> it makes I me feel like right, you're yeah. not going to try and control me and like manipulate me into some kind of outcome it's like no i'm kind of yeah. proceeding by feel and in response to my environment and like going somewhere that seems better than where i've been <laughs> that feels yeah, really honest side. The plus side is that if I accidentally start a call, it'll be by accident and not like a deliberate process. Um, <laughs> so you'll be less morally culpable. Yes, exactly. Yeah, which is the most important part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, on the thing about people getting land, like that's definitely happening. Um, and I know a bunch of people that are involved in these land-based projects. And... Probably, I think probably most of the people that I know that have been involved in those things have been pretty burnt by the process. Um, and imagine, 
and still there's a strong drive for people to go and do it um and so yeah i i i want to honor the drive that people have to to have a more communal way of living that's like articulating their own norms and their own culture um but i'm trying to find like what is it what do people need to what resources do you need what skills you know like you, you said about technology being used for connection we're building technology right now you and i are building technology of organizing like social technology and we're kind of prototyping what works and what doesn't work and like oh this thing is really clumsy and there's a lot of friction there but we need to iterate that a few times and we'll find a more efficient system um i have a hypothesis basically that doing these kinds of small experiments where it's just a few days together and it's just a few people together that that changes us in certain ways and makes us more equipped like if you were going to go on to a much more high stakes long-term expensive permanent residence da, 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 like you know increasing the stakes that you'll be in a better position to do it or you'll be in a better position like to evaluate whether that's right for you if you want to be dealing with all of the complexities of other humans or not or you know like okay you do three days together and then you do a week together and then you do a month together and you're like yeah that, this is not for me like that there, sh there should be some kind of way that yeah i'd love to see them that, that people had opportunities to prototype living in community and deciding if that's right or not or like oh no actually i want to live in an apartment but i want to live in an apartment where i know my neighbors that's actually the sweet spot for me you know or like that people can kind of find their way because this thing of like just completely divorcing from one reality and then trying to invent another one from scratch with no role models or frameworks or experiences to lean on seems pretty unlikely to go well yeah it seems like a recipe for massive culture shock uh and that will work for some people and it will not work for others yeah 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 um actually the way that you describe it makes me really think of like the um small town versus like big city um like ways of living i think much of the um like i think there's like a like a modern ideal not not, not a modern idea but like there's like idealization of the small town like to a certain extent like there's a dealing with like the idea that like you know when you have community and you know everybody that's uh, all fun and games but i suppose that's not necessarily the case when you have that much proximity and knowledge of what everybody else like um that is also i think i think visa like to, to draw parallels something that uh, the visas talked about in the past about like relationships um with your partner if you're not super deliberate about something you will tend to step on their toes and very predictable uh, repetitive ways and the same could be true of small communities if you do not like click well with that um small tiny town uh you will step on their toes and they will step on yours and it'll not be enjoyable for anybody there so there's like there it may work better for to have a slightly more um i guess nuclear family type existence where you're a little bit more a distance to the people mm -hmm. around you so that you have a little bit more distance so you don't step on each other's toes quite as much or to the same degree i mean the, the other the other aspect of that is the more tight-knit a group is most groups that they achieve tight-knit by conformity of one kind or another and so like if you were a minority or an outlier in that context like it's not going to be a good time like if i was say for like say like if i was a muslim woman i would rather be in belgium than italy for example 
just because Italy is so traditional that I would feel more, um, I would feel less welcome here than I would in Belgium. But Italy, Italians are more connected, I think, on average than your average Belgian. And so that's the kind of trade-off. It's like you have all of this lovely intimacy and coziness, but it's not actually welcoming to outsiders. And and like I think some of the best things about humans are when we get together in giant cities and we allow for that level of diversity and everyone is actually more on equal footing, but you lose the intimacy in the process. And so it's this like awkward, awkward balancing act. Yeah. I guess part of a, I guess the idea or the experiment of this part of Twitter is, is there a way of maintaining that level of diversity um, while still ensuring that everybody feels intimate and comfortable with everybody else? Which I, in theory, I suppose you would, what you'd say is that you'd likely see some level of conformity like existing within the whole group as everybody sort of mind meld together into one super organism that all <laughs> thinks the same. And perhaps that is true. Like the, the welcoming, like being welcoming to outsiders, so long as you can like, uh, if you can translate to them what, what it was required to be part of the group uh, and they could adopt it readily. Like if the Muslim woman could become an Italian uh, in some way, then and I, that would work fine. I think that depends right. on what is it that makes an Italian, you know, because mm-hmm. as in what, what are the norms, like what are the things we actually do have to agree on? And, and my hope is that with this movement that's happening on Twitter, that our norms are like hyper tolerant, you know, that there is really like a broad diversity of different ways of thinking and seeing and different values and that some people are like staunch materialist atheists and some people are like super committed to their religious tradition um and that those kind of diversities are welcome but there are some standards that are non-negotiable you know like i don't know what those standards would be and it would be a really tricky project to try and pin them down but i i would hope that's kind of what we're doing is like what's the minimum viable consensus that enables the maximum diversity of people to to collaborate and be in community with each other. And I would suspect that the consensus doesn't mean like we have to have the same attitudes towards abortion or like which political party you vote for or, you know, all these issues that are currently creating a lot of division in society. I think it's more like what we point to when we say the vibe, you know, like your comportment, your, your, your disposition, your way of relating to other people, the way that you listen or you don't listen, the way that you're attentive to your impact on other people. I think it's stuff like that, which is really subtle and hard to pin down, but you know, when you see it and you know, when there's someone in the group that like (laughs) is not from here, you know, like you're an outsider, not because your beliefs are wrong, but because you're not attentive to the way that your impact affects other people. So I have a I have a funny story about this from Vibecam. Um, I I discovered like after Vibecam sort of retroactively that there were some people who were sent like by their company to Vibecam, like on an all expenses paid uh thing. I think most of them were sent by like VR companies trying to to shill VR or something. I'm not 100 sure. Um, which I I think was fine. I hung out with some of them. They're very fun enjoyable people to be around they have a bunch of cool vr technology they're very passionate about it's always fun to hang out people who are passionate about what they're um talking about um but 
I remember there's one particular moment where you realize where the, like the differences between them being like in the group and not were. So I think there was a, a like a live polling event that Ayla was conducting where, um, and I think this is, this is relatively, uh, Ayla's infamous for her, for her polls on Twitter. She's doing a live polling version that she asks these kind of controversial, controversial questions and you're just to rank yourself where you'd place. Um, uh, so as an example of the kind of uh, incredibly controversial question she'd ask would be like, um, if you had to fuck a cow, uh, would you rather it be live or dead? And then she followed it up with additional question, for those who picked dead, how many of you are vegan? Like that is the kind of question that she asked. So it was like, it's very like, um, you know, when, you, when, when she asks a question though, then you're all like, oh dear God. And you're all completely aghast. And you're like, what is this? And then a few seconds later, then you find like it within yourself. Okay, yeah, but I know <laughs> what my answer would be. Um, and then you go for it. Um, there was this one question, which was uh, uh, within this room, um, rank yourself from how much you would support Hitler relative to the rest of the room. And so people would sort themselves in the room, like, how much do you, do you hate the guy? And then um, I believe one person suddenly spoke out and was like, this is terrible. How dare you? Um, see, because now, now you just revealed that, like, apparently half of the people in this room are Nazis. Uh, and then the room immediately erupted with, but that wasn't the question. The question was a question of relative support. Like later, yeah. some of the people at the absolute far end of the room, but like supporting Hitler, were like, "Yeah, see, I don't, I'm not a fan of the guy, but just simply on the basis that I'm like a tall, vaguely Aryan white male, I probably have less reason to hate him than other people. So probably, uh, just on the basis of that, I probably would have to say I support him slightly more than everybody else. I'm still not a fan uh, of his work, <laughs> um, but." probably I'm a slightly more a fan than like like Kai over there on the other side of the room uh, because the man is short uh, and probably would be in a concentration camp you know like that that is the kind of but they, like they're not familiar with the norms of the kind of questioning and absurdity and the ridiculousness of it all where the kind of question was clearly posed like no one actually supports Hitler but just how much do you not support him? Are you like, no, nothing. Like, so there's a lot of these little things which don't become obvious mm. until suddenly someone comes up and is like, wait a minute, hey, that's not right. Uh, and I later found out that that person was sent by um, an external company. So they weren't necessarily familiar with all the, the yeah. nuances of like in-group norms yeah. and who Ayla is and the kind of stuff she does. Uh, they probably just saw, ooh, live polling. I don't know what this is. And then went to there and then uh, uh, was possibly concerned that half the room was filled with Nazis. Yeah. That's a really interesting only... correlation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure necessarily if that's the reason. Um, and perhaps I might, I, might, I might be wrong, but I, I think that I... The narrative that is formed in my mind, like that is that is what it explains it. Yeah, like they themselves, I just aren't familiar with exactly how it is, because uh, I think a lot of people who were in that room at the time were surprised at the outburst of it. Like, I figured most people who showed up for an Ayla live polling event would be familiar with her 
and the kind of things she says. Uh, this is very much in character. <laughs> you know, it's not a surprise. The rest are just like, oh yeah, okay, all right. There's a question. Uh, it's by Hitler. Duh. You know, I'm I'm experiencing disgust. That's what I came for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this was the anticipated reaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, that makes me think though, like when I think about people that I've had at gatherings that have um, what's the what's the polite way to describe this just people who have not not going they're, they're not the type to just like go with the flow but they actually interrupt things and say like this is not right I don't you know we've got to stop something you know that the ones that kind of raise their hand and and um yeah like counteract the prevailing mood of the group um often they have been ones that have have not come because they're really excited to be there. They've come because someone's told them they have to be there or they've got a very vague sense of what's going on. Like someone told them it was a good idea, but they don't actually really know what's going on. Like they're just under informed and, and the, and which is basically just a vote, a vote in favor of a more private, more invite only way of doing things assuming you want to avoid those situations which maybe you don't like maybe it's sometimes it's useful i think to have that kind of contrast and conflict and then like then we can have we can have a really useful conversation about like is it appropriate to ask questions like hitler as if he's just like an abstract idea or actually is this whole thing really alienating for people and there might be some negative consequences of that and like it can be useful to have that debate um but yeah i'm just noticing that i've had people come to my events because someone sent them there and then they were really hard to be around because <laughs> they weren't coming based on their own enthusiasm and passion to, for being there. They were just kind of their own obligation. Yeah. Which I think it's another like nice perk of small events because it's, it's harder, I suppose, for um, people to kind of show up and be wholly uninitiated. Um, that being said, I think like for at Kaikap, I think there were a couple of people who did come and were relatively unaware of what Teapot was, mm. and uh, definitely needed a little bit of like a like a like a breakdown of what that that, that looked like. Uh, but I guess the the way the event was structured was a little bit more, I guess, unintimidating in the same way that yeah. uh, getting into a room and being asked questions about uh, dead cows would be. Uh, a little bit more off-putting to a an outsider. Like, I guess to an outsider, Kai Camp is just you get together for a few days and you hang out, chill. You know, it's it's fun, it's enjoyable, and people are nice and friendly. Then what's not to like? Uh, if the what the event looks like is you get together in a room and uh, uh, a lady asks questions and everybody obeys like sheep, then perhaps that's a little bit more unnerving to you as someone who is coming from the outside so yeah i guess there's, there's again all this kind of subtle interactions at play here like how do you know you're attracting the right crowd and what kind of crowd do you want to cater to yeah. because perhaps if you're you know perhaps you should try and have some level of outreach to outsiders like if you're trying to maintain a very open accepting community you want to ensure that people who don't know too much about um the norms of this part of Twitter aren't too put off. 
Uh, but at the same time, like perhaps their their presence, like you say, may make the experience worse for everybody else involved. So yeah. it's like a there's a there's a balancing act there or a decision to be made as to who the event serves. Yeah, I agree. And and this is also why I'm keen to like have these conversations in public because we can find the balance by lots of people doing lots of experiments and reporting back rather than like one person having to take 20 years to develop that experience. You know, it's a more efficient method. Um, and actually on that topic, I, I was wondering about the future. Um, like, like my sense from speaking to you is it reinforces the narrative that I had in my mind, which is like, Hey, everyone, it's fun to organize these events. You should go and do it. You don't need to be professional. Go. It's fun. And like, if you need any help, you can ask us and we're happy to help. Um, uh, but I'm wondering about um, kind of like ownership or, or like who feels, you know, so like if someone was in Southeast Asia and they wanted to organize a thing in a couple of months, um, would they have to seek your permission? Like, do you feel like you kind of own the Southeast Asian teapot uh or is it like you would love it if someone else would do it or yeah like what's your relationship to that if someone wants to run kai camp for me they are more than willing like i, I don't <laughs> I, I i don't see myself as like entitled like no one is entitled to a, a bunch of community like that seems that seems wrong <laughs> um i like i if anybody can sort of just stand up and be like, I want to run an event and they feel so empowered, they should do it. Like, I don't, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say like, like, I don't see it as like, we're like cross competing for the same like mm -hmm. audience or something. Mm -hmm. uh, my goal is to try and ensure that I make zero money from KaiCam. Like uh, there is no reason for me to go out of my way to like, to, to compete with other people. Uh, I, my goal is not like, for the purposes of income, uh, I I just want to have fun with friends. Um, I know a whole bunch of people. I think are a, a couple different people within like the the Kaikam group uh, have started proposing like, hey, do you guys want to come over for like a few days in X, uh, like later in August or you know later on? Um, there's like an in like an informal gathering of people in Singapore for. Uh, I think the effective altruist gathering in Singapore in early September. Um, if, if you know, you you could you could say like uh, all of you are infringing on uh, the boundaries, which is you're only allowed to hang out when I decree it is acceptable under the banner of Kai Camp. But that that seems bizarre and contrary to the goal, which is to uh, you know make it feel like a sense of community. And what is community? if it has to be facilitated through the hands of several specific actors mm. that that doesn't that doesn't seem right to me i feel like it mm. should be something that everybody can get in on and very much anyone can get in on there's a like you can't host the next vibe camp you can't declare unilaterally i'm hosting vibe camp 2023 but you can do so many more things uh besides that plus i don't think you'd really want to host vibe camp 2023 actually uh, it sounds like a hell of a lot of work. <laughs> uh, 
This is good. I'm kind of asking to, to I want to feel out the limits of like, where are these norms, you know? And like, um, from what I've heard, I think from everyone, well, maybe not. No, I think, I think with Vibe Camp, it is different. It does seem like this is a, a specific crew that wants to keep doing this thing called Vibe Camp and they're, they're, they're holding it closely. And I'm sure they're open to new collaborations and things, but it's like they're kind of committed to holding that. And everyone else I've talked to, it's like, you know, there was Jess Camp and Jess was adamant she wasn't going to run the next one. Someone else was going to have to do it. And so finally, Sylvia said, okay, I'll do it. And I know Jess is going to do Jess Camp too um, next year in Germany. Um, and I'm guessing that she'll want someone else to do the th- the next one, you know, that this, and it sounds like the same for you, like the more the merrier, like let's have this open-ended, uncontrolled, like just show up if you've got willingness and readiness. And that's a great gift to the community. Yeah. I think if I recall correctly, I, I started I started realizing the sheer number of camps that were happening as I started yeah. trying to make a thread to collect all of them. And I then realized that there were so many. <laughs> I think uh, Wipad recently um, like announced, hey, do you want to come to Wipad camp? Um, yeah. I think Alice has started uh, suggesting like, oh, Alice camp should be a thing. Uh, much fewer concrete details i think more of a casual throwaway tweet but the i think that's how it starts though (laughs) exactly there's a growing realization that hey literally anyone who has uh two thumbs okay no two thumbs are not a two thumbs are not a requirement anyone anyone who decides that they wish to create a camp and stick their name on it uh can (laughs) which is in incredible I mean, the, the name thing is clearly optional, optional as Adam Lisbon indicates, but I think it, it's, a, it's a nice idea that like the, the community is starting to realize, oh yeah, actually, there, there isn't like a central authority that dictates uh, we should all hang out. You can just say, hey, you want to hang out and you can, which I think is that's probably a lot more like what a community should feel like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm keen to wrap up. Uh, I feel my attention span starting to get a little thinner. Um, are there are there any like um, yeah, kind of last words? You know, like it's, uh, especially especially thinking about other people organizing. Is there any like one one piece of advice that you definitely want to get in, or like anything that you want to plug that's also fine to hear? Hmm, I don't think I really have anything to plug. So advice wise, I think. I figured a lot of it out just kind of by doing it. Mm. The, I did not know very much about how you would have to organize an event until I started thinking seriously, okay, I'm just going to put it together an event. How hard could it really be? Um, the answer, surprisingly, is not that bad. Like, it's not easy, but it's not as bad as you might think it is. Mm. And a lot of it is going to be done with a team anyway. And there's also lots of, like, people who have talked about their experience um, like you can reach out to Jess, you can reach out to myself. There are people who have done the things and they have made the mistakes that you can now tr- endeavor to not make or still make them. Like, who cares? <laughs> you know, it'll still probably be fine. So, um, piece of advice is probably just go for it and yeah. figure out how it works later. Fuck around, find out, basically. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good, good approach to life. Yeah. yeah. Um, and making making mistakes with your friends is still fun. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, nice. That's awesome. I think we should um, pull together some links and threads and tweets and tags for people so that anyone that's listening yes. that um, wants to understand who are these characters that we're naming, they can like catch up and and gather this context that they might be missing if they've only showed up recently. Um, but I really appreciate your time sharing this. I, I I hope we inspired another three people to run another three camps that we get to go to in the next few months. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>